What do you do? The podcast that explores various occupations and industries and arms you with information about what that position entails and how someone gets that job. This show is for anyone who's ready for a career change or who's just entering the workforce. What will we discover today? Lean in and enjoy the show with your host, Chris. podcast episode 007 the james bond episode in this episode we're going to speak with danny who is a data analyst he works for a hospital and he compiles data to help get points across that from the data they have to how they can use it and so it can be understood by uh, the, the board of directors doctors whoever they're talking to get the raw data, and turn it into something. It was pretty neat. I've never really um, knew about data analytics and analysis, and he really does a great job of explaining it to you like you're five, which is taking something complex and making it simple. It's a very good episode. Uh, it was a lot of fun. He came and saved me. I, uh, I needed an interview, and I posted on Reddit, and he came... Uh, and save the day. So big thumbs up to Danny for, for, for doing this. Um, so before we begin, just want to start off and say, uh, start now, make it happen. Uh, I read that the other day and I thought it was pretty awesome. It means a lot and uh, pretty encouraging. And on to the interview now, I guess. Uh, oh, before we begin, I'd like to go ahead and mention that we now are on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Play FM. Uh, a lot of the podcast writers are picking us up now. So if you could uh, take a listen, review the show, you know, rate it on iTunes if you can. If there's something you don't like, please let me know. Info at whatdodpodcast.com. Or shoot, just shoot me an email, chris at whatdodpodcast.com. And uh, let's just try to make this as best as we can. Um, I'm here. I'm listening, and I need that feedback, and I really appreciate everything we do. So let's go ahead and get on with the interview. All right, I'm here with Danny. He is a data analyst. Uh, he works at a hospital. He compiles um, data ranging from just about everything from what we've discussed, but I will let him uh, dive in and tell us a little bit more about what he does. So, Danny, would you mind go ahead and give us a quick, brief overview of uh, what your job as a data analyst is? Yeah, and thanks for having me. Um, really, there's so much data in any kind of job. So mine's in a hospital setting. But there's so much, and people just don't really know what to do with it. It's kind of started, a lot of people started doing, like, reporting and things. Reporting's been really, really big, and there's been a big upswing but a lot of analysts now are kind of taking that a step further and trying to get really actionable things out of that data and trying to visualize it quite well in a way that the average person can take a quick glance at it and really understand sometimes very advanced concepts. And taking things to that level can be very difficult. The one-sentence way that I usually tell people is that uh, a good analyst can take numbers and turn it into sentences that people can understand. So that's the the super quick version, I guess. <laughs> um, 
is being a data analyst uh, a job you knew about when you were younger or did you stumble upon it later on in life? I completely stumbled upon it. I went to college. I started as a film student, more or less, media studies as they called it. And then I switched to a double major with marketing. And then I ended up just graduating with a major in marketing and a minor in media studies. And marketing always really intrigued me because there was, that's where you got a lot of data. You know, oh, how do you want to reach these clients? Well, you have all of these customers in this area and demographics and all of those sorts of things and trying to tune products to hit them at good price points. Price was something I was really, really interested in. And it kind of turned out that once I got some exposure to just kind of how things worked in the job world through internships and things, data was really the thing that I was getting at, not so much marketing. So immediately out of college, I basically started as a data analyst right away, skipped marketing entirely, have never used it. Um, but uh, ever since then, I've come out and been a data analyst. What do you like the most about being a data analyst? I think the coolest thing is that it's just the ability to create something. And there's so much to it because... When you first start, you know, you, you run reports and you say, okay, what percentage of this does this? And, you know, those basic questions that you can answer with a pie graph and things like that. But then you start getting into, okay, given the last three months of how this has been going, what's going to happen 28 days from now, 31 days from now, two months from now, and figuring out, well, do we have enough data to accurately kind of project what that's going to be? How accurate do we end up being when we try to do that? And what will that enable a business to do? So, for example, in the hospital, you could say, you know, we only have X number of beds for patients and we need to reserve some for people who come in for emergencies or people who come in from certain types of surgery. So it's like, okay, let's take all of our surgery data. We know a lot of that schedule. And so we take all of those. We figure out how long are these people maybe going to stay based on pretty much their entire medical history. And then we need to make sure that we can reserve enough for emergency medical care. And that's really tough to predict because it's emergency. But given enough volume, you can kind of guess, uh, which makes it really interesting. So that allows, say, a hospital to have open beds when there's a car accident or somebody or somebody needs a place. Uh, we can ensure that we have enough or if we don't, we can take precautions to make sure everyone can get the care that they need. I think also you could see like a pattern of data like I would, I mean, I would guess like on the weekends, the chances of emergencies would be higher due to, you know, people being stupid at the bars or, you know, extracurricular activities. So maybe with your data, you could you know, kind of foresee that. Oh, yeah. And plan accordingly. It, there's some things that just come up that you never expect. Uh, for example, the hospital I work at is in kind of a poorer part of the city. So what happens is we have a ton of people who are on some sort of government assistance for uh, Medicaid. And one of the big drawbacks of that is that a lot of them, they kind of get standard rates across the board. So we have people who come into our emergency room all the time to get a prescription refilled for example, or they just need a basic checkup because of the way some of those things can be structured. Um, there's no penalty 
for coming into an emergency room. There's no extra premium for them. Now, I don't want to blame the people themselves. I mean, I would love to say that I wouldn't use that in that way, but you know, we're all kind of lazy and I'm sure just about anybody would if there's no difference and you need something done like that, especially if you have, you know, a tough work schedule or something. So we look at, we have to take those things into account, even though there's nothing we can do to stop it. You know, we do our best with education and on the other end, you know, we try to restructure those things that people aren't utilizing uh, emergency room visits in a way that's not great for anyone. You know, the more that they can schedule those things out, the better. Um, so yeah, it, it can really, really vary in terms of the reasoning behind what you see. And there is so many layers, but that's part of our job is to dig into that and figure out exactly how to uncover the bits that we say can predict and then leave uh, some margin for error for what we can't. So like back home uh, in West Virginia where I'm at, I know from friends that are, you know, ER doctors, there would be times when you would have nothing but, you know, people that have, you know, addiction problems coming in to try to get, you know, their, their refills uh, to, you know, I guess get their fix. And I'm sure those kinds, if you have a lot of those happening, that would mess up the numbers for trying to calculate emergencies versus surgeries versus, you know, trying to scale that out. If you had that happening. Uh, not that I know of in our area, luckily. Um, there's not a, a high percentage of drug use. I'm sure it happens as it, it does everywhere. Um, but yeah, one of the, the cooler things is that hospitals are kind of structured now, or at least the one that, that I'm working at. They're trying to take patients away from, um, having to come back a whole lot and figure out what's going on. And patients who come back over and over again within, say, a month's time, the hospital actually gets penalized. Now, whether it's the hospital's fault for not treating them properly the first time or just the patient comes back for kind of a bogus reason, whatever that might be, the hospital ends up kind of paying for that. Um, they're trying to switch away from an old model, which was basically that the hospital got money every time they did anything for a patient. So any service you know, if you came in with, say, an abdominal problem and they wanted to maybe put you on a pharmacy, pharmacy drug to maybe try to clear something up, they wanted to get, um, you know, a scan in that area, area um, an endoscopy, something like that, they would schedule all those and just do all of them. Because for you, it sounds nice because they're taking care of any potential problem. But the hospital also can ring up charges a lot that way. Um, and some of them still do that when I was a kid. My main doctor that I went to, I found out later, she used to give a class to other doctors in the area about how to basically maximize revenue out of patients. And one of the best things that I've seen uh, and why I really love working for the hospital that I do is they're switching to kind of this other model, which says, okay, we know any patient that comes in, they should pay about X amount to, for that treatment. And for the hospital, if we can beat that, if we can basically beat the average more or less by getting them really efficient care that takes care of the problem quickly, basically we get to split the difference and with the insurance company and keep some of the extra that they would have had to pay. And that's really nice because it incentivizes everyone to kind of 
to take care of patients the right way as best they can. So to go back to kind of your original one, it's even more of a a thing now that we want to get those patients, you know, help that they need potentially, whatever that might be, because if they keep coming back for the same sorts of things over and over, uh, that's actually really going to penalize the hospital. So we may be better off to try to get them uh, into any kind of treatment or whatever they would need. So it's really aligning patient health and the hospital incentives in a really great way. So when you're talking about penalize, is that like a monetary penalization or the insurance companies charge more? What's the penalty? Yeah. Yeah, they don't, they don't really charge more. It's basically saying, okay, you have X dollars to treat this patient. And if you do under that, you keep the difference. If you pay over that, you pay the difference. So basically how far off you miss, there can be, you know, small penalties or big ones. It's a, that's a simplified look at it. But, you know, for the average person, I think you can see that that's a better system than just charging the patient for whatever they may or may not need. Yeah, it, it seems like if they're being effective, it's going to keep costs down around the board because they're with, with not having the penalties, um, they can be more efficient with the servicing of the patients. And yeah, for sure. Everyone seems to be a little bit happier. Um, what was one of the most important things or more appealing things about being a, a data analyst that you've found so far in this career? It's, that's a tough thing to answer, but I, I think it's kind of this inner desire for me to, uh, use my entire brain as I call it. I've always been really attracted to things and I was a big video gamer throughout my childhood and now, and I think one of the greatest things that it brought me was it was an activity where I could put my full brain power into what I was doing because there was enough going on, you know, just on screen, but there's also enough strategically that you need to think through. Um, so typically your harder, more advanced, tough, really hard games were great because that just meant I could use more and more of my brain power. So that kind of trickled over into the same sort of, uh, itch is scratched by doing data analytics. There's so much there and you're thinking about some of these really advanced concepts and how things are fitting together. And it's a really fun exercise because you can get into a project and it takes you four hours of thinking harder than you did all week and it comes out great. And so that's one of the things I love most about it is just that ability to be fully entrenched in a project and giving it kind of all the brain power that you possibly can. It sounds like there's a lot of thinking outside the box too. Like you said, yeah, you there to, can you, be. Your, your brain, you're having to tap in. I mean, for me, math and numbers, no go. Like <laughs> it's just not my thing, but I'm, I'm assuming once your brain's pumping and you're thinking deep and you're producing these results. And then when you go to present it, I mean, that's your baby you've been working on. So you dug all the stuff up, put it together. Here it is. Yeah. And actually that brings up one of the toughest parts about the entire job is that no matter how much work you put into something or how complicated something is, you need to be able to explain and display it in the most simple way possible. That's kind of the rub a little bit because you'll go into a meeting or something and your end goal, your ultimate, you did a great job is if everyone looks at what you've done and they're like, oh yeah, I guess that's kind of obvious. 
that's the exact response you're looking for because that means you built the case very well. Everyone understood everything. Uh, you know, it rarely happens, but if you can articulate things really clearly and well, uh, it's one of those things that uh, they say on Reddit a lot. You know, if you know something well, you can explain it to a five-year-old. Same yep, sort of thing it, applies. You need to be able to take this to the people it applies to. Oh, yeah. And if you can't, then it, it's really tough because we talk to a lot of people who aren't big into math and numbers and we can't just data vomit all over them. We need to be really concise uh, with what we tell them and put it in a way that they can understand very, very quickly. And they're the ones making the decisions. So they need to be able to take what we've done and then, you know, apply it to the business. Usually would you be talking to like boards of directors with this information or to be like department heads or doctors or. Yeah, I kind of, yes to all of them. It just depends on who's working on what, how important it is, the size we work with, you know, department heads. Sometimes these are doctors who are extremely intelligent people aren't necessarily data intelligent. You know, it's the classic thing. I couldn't do their job. They probably couldn't do my job either way, but we work together. So they come up with a question and, it's another one of the, the problems is because there's so much data, they can ask a completely rational, totally simple, seemingly simple question that can be really hard to answer. So they could say, okay, I want to know of all my diabetic patients that have been in my office for the last 12 months, how many of them are refilling their prescriptions on a regular basis? And the problem comes in with trying to figure out all the different pieces. So all these things don't necessarily live in the same database. So we sometimes have like a, a payment system that is separate from our patient list. So we need to find the patient and then try to find all the payment data that might match up. And then we kind of have to blend those two together. And sometimes it's a little harder uh, than it seems. That's one of the toughest thing that I know any data analyst listening to this knows that sometimes half the job is figuring out how those pieces fit together to answer sometimes those seemingly very simple questions. So it seems like also like good record keeping and organization is a, a good uh, skill to have to make this easier. Yeah. And for people who work in like IT and things, a lot of times they have other business needs. You know, this data thing isn't like it's been around forever. So we have all these amazing things and it was designed this way for the ground up. You know, like medical records were originally designed for not necessarily linking large groups of them up and connecting. You know, they were meant so you could look at one patient at a time, not necessarily to just go bananas with an entire two million uh, person population uh, in a certain area and figure out what's going on there. So it's kind of like you have a legacy problem where it wasn't built for that originally. And you can't just like, all right, well, we're going to throw out all the old stuff and start over. So you get this kind of slow build. And that's why those artifacts and things are are tough to uh, get rid of because they were necessary either now or at some point in the past. And it wasn't designed for this one specific purpose. So that makes it uh, sometimes very interesting. What's your uh, normal schedule like? Is it um, you know, a nine to five job or lots of overtime or uh, do you see your, your new wife much? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, see the wife plenty, which is great. Um, it's really easy. We have pretty flexible hours. It can 
vary by company that you worked for, but um, we basically are on salary, so we can come in and go kind of as we please, as long as we definitely put in our uh, set hours. But, you know, if I need to go in a half hour later, leave a half hour earlier, things like that, not a big deal. Uh, there can be overtime, just like anything else. If you get really entrenched in a project, sometimes you have to do that. Uh, working from home is not quite as big of a deal as it might be in some other places because sometimes you literally have days where you lock yourself in your office and you don't do anything else. So it doesn't really matter where you do that from at work or at home. Um, so we, we have a lot of flexibility, which I think is becoming more of the norm, but isn't necessarily standard across the industry for sure. Where do you see yourself in the next uh, couple of years? It's interesting because I don't know if I'll ever get out of doing <laughs> what I'm doing now, um, maybe into management or something like that. But that heart of, you know, getting at these answers and data, there's such a giant ceiling to get better at it. There's always something that you can do more and more. So I think finding uh, a good company, which the one I'm at has been great so far, and I think they do understand this concept, but understanding that sometimes just building on years and years of experience can be extremely valuable. So maybe in five years, I'm still a data analyst, but um, maybe I'm hopefully far better than I am today at it. For the companies, can you work like independently as you're like a, a contractor? Is that feasible or is it more like you work for a, a, the business to do it as a salaried employee? I would say vast majority are as salaried employees, but there are new groups. That is kind of one of the, the cutting edge things is these basically analytic groups that they, they're basically contracted to come in for a specific purpose. They may say, Hey, build us this statistical model. Here's your data or consult with us and how we should do these things. So there's a really new space there where there are now basically like analytic companies that you can basically hire out. They'll come in and do a whole job kind of thing for you. So some companies are opting for that because it's just not feasible for them to bring in three, four or more data analysts who uh, have that kind of high power to do those things. That sounds like they have the kind of on-demand IT services where you can contract out your IT work because you might not need to staff someone, you know, 24 hours. So you can hire them to come in on-demand. So it sounds like kind of like there's a new fad for maybe on-demand analytics. Yeah, basically the same thing is like a lot of website builders do the same thing. You know, your company needs a website. They just need it built and then maintained and, you know, changes and things. But they don't want to hire somebody full-time to do that because it's not going to be a core part of their business. So, yeah, definitely very, very similar. A little off-the-wall question. What did you see yourself being as a child, as a job? I started in film. I think that's kind of the first job that at least I can remember that I was actually serious about doing. Um, so film was always very close to me, which I think is a very, very odd transition to analytics. <laughs> that tends to be right brain to left brain. But it's really interesting how the two fit together. They're both very, very different in terms of execution. And I think they, as I said earlier, they... Uh, scratch a little bit different itches that exist inside of me. But yeah, I think it was film. And then 
I just found this data thing, found I was pretty good at it and really, really enjoyed it. Never would have seen myself. Like I didn't enjoy math. I hated math all through school. I never liked it. So people hear that and they're like, well, why would you want to do numbers all day? And I'm like, well, I don't know. It just, it's really fun for me. <laughs> you know, I can, I can agree. Cause like in high school, I think the highest math I completed was pre-algebra. Like it just didn't, you know, jive with me. But in college, they're like, okay, here's statistics. And I took it. And, you know, I hated math, <laughs> but I did great. Like I found enjoyment in it and it was fun because it turned into like puzzles and fun. And so I had a good time doing it. And statistics one and two, you know, I aced them. And if you were to see me do that, you know, back in high school, no way, no way. Oh, yeah. I didn't find it fun. You know, it wasn't. Then again, you know, I'm probably older now, so I can focus better. But, you know, who knows? It's it's pretty cool, though, when you find that job that you kind of really thought of doing and then you're doing it. <laughs> so you yeah. don't look back on that. And it, it kind of sucks because, to be honest, I wish I would have paid more attention in math or maybe done more math related things. We talk all the time. We were sitting in my office the other day, me and a, a coworker, and we're looking at these graphs and trying to figure out these things and trying to calculate some pretty advanced stuff. And I was like, we're literally looking at this doing calculus in Excel, more or less. <laughs> we didn't we didn't know the formulas, but it's like the concepts that we learned from calculus, you know, integrals, derivatives, that sort of thing. It's like we're doing this. And we're probably doing it in a grossly insufficient way or inefficient, I should say. But we still want to do it because we can look and that's definitely what we need to do. So seeing some of those reasonings behind the math would have been really, really great back in the day. So I think maybe if I went back, I might have a new appreciation for it. Also, back in the day, I don't know about you, but we were always talking about math. We're never going to use this again when we get older. Right. But, you know, again, that's a lie we were telling ourselves because it's all around you. You got to use it. And now more so, you know, my eight-year-old, hey, I need homework help. It's just that thing that always keeps coming back for more, I guess. Yeah, it's so hard to teach, too. I completely understand the, the tough parts because the application of it is the more difficult thing that you want people to think about. You're never going to have a board where it just says, you know, x squared plus 2x plus 4 equals negative 16 or whatever it would be. Go yeah. find the answer. It's not, it's not going to happen uh, like that, but trying to find the slope of a line or trying to figure out the area underneath of a curve, find it manifests itself in some really interesting ways sometimes. You've, you kind of, I think you, already, you kind of already answered it, but if you could change one thing on the journey of your life so far to, you know, graduating high school to finding this job, what what's one thing you would have done differently? I think you wish I you would could try do to find, I would try to find an analytics program for college instead of marketing, which happened to be very close. But I think finding an analytics uh, major of some sort, which I know is rare, would be really, really helpful and would have gotten me right on track. That way I could be doing the same thing, but I might have a little bit better toolkit in order to do it with. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like it's, again, 
this job, well, the job title data analyst, it can go, you know, 20 different ways depending on the company, I guess, depending on the environment. And I think you did a solid job of explaining it to me like I'm five. For, <laughs> I've for had to a lot. The, uh, for the uh, data analyst in you know a hospital. And I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk to me today. Yeah, absolutely. I'll do it anytime. Is there like, you know, any subreddits devoted to, you know, data analysts or any resources out there that you can think of? There was, unfortunately, there was a, a great one called Data is Beautiful was the subreddit and they were really, really good. And then they got added to the default and now it's basically, look, I have a graph and <laughs> this stuff isn't as cool. Um, some of the, the posts back in the day, not to sound like a hipster or anything, but some of the stuff when it was relatively unknown were amazingly cool and people were doing incredible things and showing uh, data in really innovative ways that was not just pleasing to look at, but was really, really informative. And that's the key piece. You can make things look cool fairly easily, but in order to portray a point very clearly, it's tough. So if anybody knows any, you know, post a comment or something wherever this is inevitably posted. And I would love to see some, some more of the old school stuff that used to be on there. I'll tell you, the one thing that gets me every time is infographs where people just break it down and then they have the really cool art. And it's like, I can read those all day long and just go on. Cause they, they have them for almost everything. It seems like any kind of topic, there's infographs for it. I think, I mean, I've read Titanic. I've read like, you know, statistics on, you know, uh, politics and religions and someone's done the numbers. <laughs> yeah. It's, it can be great. That's one of the, yeah, those have been great recently. That's been a big surge and people are usually pretty good at putting those together. At least it's kind of like a quick, you know, one page sort of summary of a large group of data. It can be pretty cool. You're, it's interesting to see the evolution from, you know, your, your pie graphs and bar graphs into some of these really abstract and weird sorts of graphs that do a really good job, even if you haven't quite seen that type of graph before. It's the, the new trend, I guess. It's, again, explain it to me like I'm five. And that's the best, most efficient way to do it. And, you know, usually pictures, you know, the old saying, you know, worth a thousand words. Absolutely. Um, make it make it simple. No, it was kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Oh yeah. And, all right, Danny. Well, thanks a lot for talking to me. Yeah, thanks for everything. Uh, and best of luck on your journey to find the most interesting jobs. Thanks for listening in today, and be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss that one episode that can change your career path. We're passionate about sharing all the possibilities of occupations out there, and we'd like to keep moving full steam ahead. Consider becoming a patron of the show and go to patreon.com slash whatdoyoudopodcast to see how you can support the show. 